All right, it is October 12, 2003. 2003, wow. That's good. 2023. It's close. I'm just trying. I'm trying to back up, I guess. I've been studying too much prophecy today. Can't get the year straight. October 12, 2023. Um, on the prayer list, um, we have Marcos, salvation for his son, that people would bring the gospel. Ultimately, that will be his son's decision. But you can pray that people will show up to give him the word. That way, if he stands before God, he's without excuse, um, having not received Christ, if that ends up being. But I think I think ultimately he will. His father just prays and prays. Larry McCoy for <clears throat> blessings that he needs, a, a employment opportunity down this way. I think he's kind of bound to stay where he's at around Pittsburgh until march of this coming year but hopefully he can find something that get him back this way jenny newberry to continued healing and uh, beulah newberry family uh, on her loss uh, 102 years old so she good run there <laughs> uh the prayer team gail and janice and ruby marta and charles sebron and cameron that um God's will be done in the life of that young man and, and the, the grandchild of Sebron, uh, the, the, his situation with the custody, and for Marta and Charles for their business and well-being. Jerry Scott, blessings for him. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We are commanded to do that. President Trump, for protection. Our children and grandchildren. Bassie and Linda and John and Ruby. Uh, Bob, pray for Mike to have peace and understanding over his loss of his sister. And for unsafe family members. Pray for our country and these people that presumably are in charge, that they would get saved. Situation in the Middle East. The people over there. Eric, Rex, Ted, John, Israel, and the IDF, Israeli Defense Force. And this is uh, John and Kathy Gillenwater. Is this the first one? Uh, John. Shoot. What is it? John, Jonathan Shoot. Okay. Jonathan, okay. Ray for prayer for Israel. Salvation for us all healing for others that have been sick or been afflicted in some way. I'm going to write the farm real quick. Okay. Um, Bella, young lady that uh, so far has overcome addiction. We pray for Forrest and Christina. Let's uh, join hands. Mm-hmm. Father God, we thank you for this time that we could have fellowship and study and trusting we may understand more as your Holy Spirit guides and teaches us. We praise you, Lord. Give us wisdom. Give us knowledge and understanding for the days that we're living in. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You found your watch. What? You you said you you found your watch, it looks like. No, I bought another one. Oh. Where'd you get that? Where? Yeah. eBay. 
Okay. But it's pretty cheap. Yeah, a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Not about 50 bucks. Okay. It's pretty good time. Yeah, even the cheapest quartz movements keep better time than your fancy mechanicals. Uh, it's been a while, and y'all have been coming for a long time. Know that my thoughts on Daniel 8, it still left America needing to take down Iran. The way it looks now, we're closer than we have ever been. This situation that's been unfolding in Israel um, is leading up to that. Now, we know that Iran wanted a warhead to take out Israel and or a warhead to hit us with. And historically, Israel has been, every time they responded to an attack, the whole world just blew up on them and said, you overreacted. You pushed it too hard. You need to respond in kind. Don't, don't go too far. Knowing that, and also knowing that Iran needs to be dealt with, it's my theory that Israel orchestrated this attack on themselves so that they could go in and clean them up. That's just a theory. Um, I do know this. They're not going to be susceptible to a bunch of guys flying in on paragliders. <laughs> and the next thing you know, there's 800 dead and 1,000 wounded. and No. Um, they were shooting rockets into Israel. And they said, well, it caught us by surprise. The Iron Dome didn't work. The Iron Dome has worked in the past. Why would it, it not? It was working. It just didn't get them all. They, they stood down. Who stood down? The, the Israel. It almost looked like they needed some optics. They yeah, needed there's, some... There's evidence that they stood down. Yeah. They needed some, uh, some something to put on the news so that most nations would say, okay you're justified to going ahead and uh, do what you have to do. That's, a, that's just a theory. And we are on the side of Israel because we know where Israel stands in prophecy. And that's where the New Jerusalem will ultimately set down, but we'll have the Millennial Kingdom there prior to that. And the Millennial Temple. Um, in this study, I want to touch on some of Daniel chapter 8. But the other thing that I think we should realize is Psalm 83 may be being fulfilled as we speak. Um, and lastly, I want to show why I believe the Ezekiel 38-39 war is the same as Armageddon. It's the same battle. I think once you compare line on line, precept on precept as we are um, told to do, you'll see that that is the case. And you'll be happy that that's the case because if not, um, don't be um, looking for a rapture of the church anytime soon. Um, a lot of folks that, that do some pretty good teaching 
they get a little bit mixed up here or there. We've all seen those optical illusions, like you look at it and it's like stair steps. Oh, okay, they come up here and, and then the way that it's drawn, it's like, what just happened there? And it's around and around and around in your mind. It's, uh, it's not making sense. And unfortunately, some folks' views of eschatology do not make sense. They're kind of like that. They're like, there's a seven-year tribulation. And we're going to be with the Lord during that seven-year tribulation. I agree with that. But then they say, well, you know, the tribulation, uh, who knows how far away it is, but the rapture could happen at any moment. You see the problem with that? If there's a seven-year tribulation and we're with him for those seven years, we shouldn't be with him longer or shorter. This is based on the Feast of Tabernacles in Leviticus 23. Now some would say, well, we, we could get raptured right now and be up there for 50, 60, 80, 100 years. It's a seven. It's the way the Tabernacles Feast is a seven, a period of a seven. Uh, and that that's throughout Scripture. I mean, go back to Genesis, and um, so Jacob gets Leah, and she represents the Gentiles, and he's got to work another uh, week or seven or whatever. He did two weeks, seven years, yeah, seven years to get Rachel, <clears throat> and. Um, he favored Rachel, but he fathered a lot of children through Leah, a lot more actually. But that's again, Leah is a picture of the Gentiles. They're a lot more numerous than than the uh, Hebrew people. So these 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 sevens are important. The seventieth week of Daniel, a week of years, seven years. So um, let's just look at a few things. In Daniel 8, and I got my NIV here because I got notes made in it. So basically it starts out, Daniel has a vision. And uh, he's by the Ulock, and now let's pick it up about verse 3. I looked up, and there before me was a ram with two horns standing beside the canal, and the horns were long. One of the horns was longer than the other, but grew up later. So one of the horns is a longer would be a larger power, larger military power, and it would grow up later. I watched the ram as he charged toward the west and the north and the south. No animal could stand against him, and none could rescue from his power. He did as he pleased and became great. This is a ram. This is Islam. And the nations, the, the two primary nations we're going to see. He says, as I was thinking about this, suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between his eyes came from the west, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground. Don't skim over that phrase. This was written, was Daniel written? I forgot. Yeah. Um, 537 B.C. 
But this is going to be a power from the west that can cross the face of the whole earth without touching the ground. It says he came toward the two-horned ram that I had seen standing beside the canal and charged at him in great rage. I saw him attack the ram furiously, striking the ram and shattering his two horns. The ram was powerless to stand against him. The goat knocked him to the ground and trampled on him. This is the goat. It's interesting and relatively recently, just in the English vernacular, at least the American English vernacular, goat is, 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 if something is a goat, it's the best, it's the top, it's the strongest. You can't tear it up, you can't beat it, it's a goat. I find that interesting. Little things like this we just notice. This goat could not be defeated, at least at this point in time. I saw him attack the ram furiously, striking the ram, shattering his two horns. The ram was powerless to stand against him. The goat knocked him to the ground and trampled on him, and none could rescue the ram from his power. The goat became very great, but at the height of his power, his large horn was broken off, and in its place, four prominent horns grew up. Out of one of them, they grew up toward the four winds of heaven, it says, out of one of them came another horn, which started small, but grew in power to the south and toward the east and toward the beautiful land. It grew until it reached the host of the heavens, and it threw some of the starry hosts down to the earth and trampled on them. This is a picture of Satan. He will go into the Antichrist. He went into Judas Iscariot. He'll go into the Antichrist. It set itself up to be as great as the prince of the host. That's Jesus. It took away the daily sacrifice from him, and the place of his sanctuary was brought low. Because of rebellion, the host of the saints and the daily sacrifice were given over to it, and it prospered in everything it did, and truth was thrown to the ground. God will give that sanctuary over to this evil entity inhabited by Satan, the Antichrist. Um, go to verse 15 for the interpretation. While I, Daniel, was watching the vision and trying to understand it, there before me stood one who looked like a man. And I heard a man's voice from the Uli calling, Gabriel, Tell this man the meaning of the vision. So this one's standing in front of Daniel, who looked like a man, who orders Gabriel around. I don't think we need to guess who that is. That's the Lord himself. As he came near the place where I was standing, I was terrified and fell prostrate. Son of man, he said to me, understand that the vision concerns the time of the end. And I've highlighted that time of the end. Some people have these study Bibles. This is one of them. They'll say, oh, this Daniel chapter 8 was a perfect um, foretelling of Alexander the Great and what he did and how he acted and how his kingdoms got split into four. Alexander the Great was a type of this uh, little horn, this Antichrist. He was a type. 
You know, Antiochus Epiphanes. Nobody says he was the Antichrist, but he was a type of Antichrist, right? Alexander the Great would be a type of this Western power. And he's called a king of Greece. The Hebrew word, though, is Yavan, and it only means Gentile. In fact, Paul uses the word Greek to connote Gentile, doesn't he? So, um... It says it concerns the time of the end. Alexander the Great was something like 336 B.C. It's not the time of the end, turns out, right? Now, this vision is for the time of the end. It says, while he was speaking to me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Then he touched me and raised me to my feet. He said, I'm going to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath. Because the vision concerns the appointed time of the end. Again, how anybody can say, oh, that's Alexander the Great, on to the next subject. This is the problem with people, and some of them, you know, have big followings. Uh, they'll skip right over a little phrase like that, pin Alexander the Great tail on the donkey and move right along. There is another fulfillment, an ultimate fulfillment. It involves the time of the end. Then he said, the two-horned ram that you saw represents the kings of Media and Persia. Media, the Medes, Iraq. So this shaggy goat from the west crosses the face of the whole earth without touching the ground and busts Iraq in the chops and brings them down. I can't imagine who that could be. And he said the other one grew up later. He would grow up later. And that's Persia. And he will break the horn of power off of the Persians. That's Iran, right? We haven't done it yet, but we're about this close to doing it. The Gerald Ford carriers over there, there is enough war power on that, on that vessel to destroy the planet. Twice over, no doubt. Where will it end? This is going to end with the taking down of Iran because the U.S. and Israel are in agreement that Iran cannot be allowed to continue on the path that it's on. I say the U.S. and Israel are in agreement. God says Iran cannot be allowed to continue the path that it's on. The Bible says that the king's heart is in the Lord's hand and he turns it where he will, like a water course. Joe Biden is talking war. He said he saw all those dead babies. He said he'd never seen anything like it before. Thought he'd never have to see something like that. That's what he said. I'm sure that's what he was told to say. But the entirety of the Western world is on board for destroying Hamas and where they lived and but that won't happen terribly quickly because Iran will be piping in help for these people and possibly piping in soldiers for these people. And then we'll go, I say we, the U.S., Israel will say, whoa, where are all these extra rockets and bombs coming from? Oh, look what they've done here. They, they, they uh, released huge bottles of... Uh, this poisonous VX gas. They've killed people by the tens of thousands. They can create optics for something that really didn't happen. That's right. 
we can watch Hollywood. Hollywood and the CIA have been in bed together for decades. If they want to make something look like it's real, they know how to do it, including a bunch of babies with their heads cut off. Not to say that these uh, Hamas devils would not do that if given the chance. Whether it's a real thing or whether it's not, it is going to cause people to be in a rage. You know, you're in a rage when you come against this, uh, this power over there, this Iran. It says he came at him in a rage. I saw him attack the ram furiously, striking the ram and shattering his two horns. He's mad. He's in a rage. So what ends up happening is uh, it says um, the shaggy goat, he tells you, verse 21 of Daniel 8, is the king of Greece. The word is Yavan. You're going to see it first used in Genesis 10, I'm pretty sure. It means Gentile. It doesn't mean the nation of Greece. It means a Gentile king. The most preeminent of the Gentile kings. That would be a president in charge of America's military, particularly Navy and the Air Force. The preeminent king, the first king, the most powerful one. That's the king of Greece, the king of the Gentiles. And the large horn between his eyes is the first king. Whoever is wielding that power, the power of that horn, is the preeminent king. It's not talking about George Washington. It's talking about the person who represents that seat of power. The four horns that replace the one that was broken off represent four kingdoms that will emerge from his nation but will not have the same power. Um, if that's America, then at some point after we destroy Iran or break their horn off, any place they have of uh, scientific development of um, Weapons of war will be destroyed. They got this darn thing that they burnt Lahaina up with. I don't know how, what kind of a craft needs to move that thing around. It is an invisible laser that melts stuff, and they did it. And they did it to four cities in China back in August on the same day. Didn't see much news about that, but they had four skyscraper fires at big cities in China back in August of the same day. That one big building was all glass on the exterior, and this fire starts on the ground floor, and that's probably 60, 80. You saw this, Ron, right? It just paints a stripe right up the side of the building like you just stuck a brush in a bucket and started painting fire. Not natural, and the people that were commenting that were videoing this with their phones, the ones that were speaking English, so this is not natural. This is not how, you know... It's not normal fire. Mm -hmm. They got it put out, and guess what? Came right back on fire again. It came right back. They were showing China what kind of weapon they have now. Who is showing it? You know, I would have to say the United States or the Nephilim entities that have gotten okay. control of our government. Let's say that. Okay. There you go. <clears throat> so. 
And that, to me, the HARP antenna array able to, to transmit relay RF power could be involved in that kind of weapon. We know that antenna array is there. There's all kinds of stories on what it's really for. But if the government tells you one thing, you know that ain't it. <laughs> you know? So I think our next step is uh, seeing Iran taken down largely by U.S. power. Probably from that carrier over there. That's my guess. I mean, they could pull, pull a fast one and sink our carrier. Oh boy, we'd be real mad then. Then we'll just send a nuke across the, you know, the ocean. Um, but that's the next step in this timeline. The thing about Israel and wars, Israel don't fool around, they never have. They don't get into some protracted conflict that goes on and on and on and on. I saw a meme the other day. Let's see if I can get this right. It says, if you're ever feeling low, if you're ever feeling like a failure, realize that it took four presidents, $30 trillion, and several thousand troops to replace the Taliban with the Taliban. <laughs> Uh, I don't think Israel will get any kind of war like that. Because that's not going to be how God fights. When God gets involved, it don't last long. I think we can say that, right? Yeah, six-day war is an example. Exactly. It's a beautiful example. So what about Gideon, too? There you go. Mm-hmm. All of God's wars, it's over. Now... So that is what we have there. Let's look at Psalm 83. Is this going on? Some people said Psalm 83 was fulfilled in that six-day war. I don't know. The problem that people have interpreting this is we don't exactly know which nations are being spoken of. We know a couple of them. But, uh, I mean, obviously Assyria is Syria pretty much, you'd have to say. Even if there was an ancient Assyria, Syria today, they're telling us this is, it's going to be Syria. Uh, Psalm 83. Yeah, um, Edom and Moab are Lot's children. Okay. Edom and Moab. So it goes, uh, and I'm again, I'm in NIV. Psalm 83, O God, do not keep silent. Be not quiet, O God, be not still. See how your enemies are astir. How your foes rear their heads. With cunning they conspire against your people. They plot against those you cherish. Come, they say, let us destroy them as a nation that the name of Israel be remembered no more. How long ago was this written, and what do we see right now? And for well, people 20, to years. for people not to believe that the Bible is, you know, written of divine inspiration, I don't know what to tell them. It's saying, "Let's get rid of Israel, that their name be remembered no more." And he's going to tell you who they are in a moment. It says, <laughs> "With one mind they plot together, 
they form an alliance against you. And he's saying they form an alliance against you, God. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, of Moab and the Hagarites, Gebel, Ammon, and Amalek, Philistia, the Philistines, the Palestinians. That's who those are. With the people of Tyre. Don't know about Tyre. Even Assyria, which I'm convinced is Syria. That's a no-brainer. Tyre's in Damascus. Okay. It's in Damascus, Syria? Mm-hmm. Well, we have Isaiah 17 that hadn't been fulfilled yet either. The city of Damascus has made a ruinous heap overnight. Right now, that's the most longest inhabited city on the planet. That's the oldest city on the planet, <laughs> Damascus, Syria. And they're going to make it a ruinous heap uninhabitable, it sounds like. And that's in Isaiah 17. But he says, uh, even Assyria has joined them to lend strength to the descendants of Lot. Do to them as you did to Midian, as you did to Sisera and Jabin at the river Kishon, who perished at Endor. Basically, he's going to describe, you do to them what you did to these other peoples. In other words, wipe them out. Completely wipe them out, God. And those people were under uh, Joshua when he went into the land and wiped out these people. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. That's who all those people are. So, because some of these people groups we're not 100% sure of, but we can be somewhat sure of, um, these are those same people that want to erase Israel from the planet. Now, I know I said Israel may have instigated this thing just so they could get that ball rolling. They know they're going to have to do it. So they set up some optics to get it done. I saw controlled demolitions of some of those buildings. Yeah. Yeah, they they come straight down. They were already wired to be brought down just like the Twin Towers. But again, I believe they felt as though we must do this. We must have. We must show the world the reason we're doing this, because we don't show them the reason we're doing it. We may not be understood, and then we may be a lot. They may ally against us. So let us put some optics out there and go do what we need to do. Go do what God wants them to do. You mean when you speak about optics, is that like a hologram? Sure, it could be. They can do that. They can put airplanes in the sky. They may all do that for a long time. The Navy says they recently patented that thing that they can make an airplane appear in the sky. But that's been, that been around a long time. Anytime we, we were told about it, it's been around. Oh, yeah. They've been able to do that. Uh, some very knowledgeable commercial airline pilots have watched that 9-11 footage. And, and, and one guy in particular, he was a veteran, and he trained pilots. And he's like watching this. He said, is this in real time? Or is this being sped up? And they said, it's, it's real time. And he said, that plane can't move at that speed, at that altitude. It would come apart. I didn't know this. I didn't know that. Never had heard that. But he said, it has to be, if it's going to be moving at that speed, it's got to be way up there, you know, very high density altitude. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was it. But the dead giveaway was on that one camera angle when the nose cone of the plane accidentally showed up on the other side of the building. (laughs) Did y'all see that one? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a beauty. That's a beauty. 
Yep. Did y'all see the glitch uh, <coughs> in the Matrix? Uh, well, I saw it today. I was with it came out. They have a tree out here, and they have these vehicles around. And the next thing you know, they move the vehicle over, and the tree just goes right through into the vehicle. Where does this happen? <laughs> it happened on the computer. It, okay. You know, it's it's it's. <clears throat> they take real pictures and then they try to move them, yeah. it around. Yeah. <clears throat> well, what we need to also understand is the Nephilim, the hybrids of Genesis six, are still among us. They have they are super intelligent. They got very high IQs. They do not have wisdom. And they don't have much common sense either. They do not understand us that well. They put a story out there, like thus and such happened, oh, they'll buy that. Now, sure, a lot of foolish humanity will buy it, but others question the narrative. So that doesn't make sense. One lady, I spent years ago, she said she was abducted by these entities. She never could see them, but she was taken in. And she was a very credible person. She said, wouldn't give her name. She just said, I just want to tell you what happened. And, and <laughs> she said, they sat me down in front of this big TV monitor. And they kept showing me things like this man standing in his backyard at a barbecue grill flipping burgers. And they told me to watch that for a minute and tell them if it looked right or if it looked wrong. And, you know, that was just one example. She said, I, I said, it looks looks normal, it looks right. And they were happy with that. And then it was on to the next thing. They couldn't figure out how to blend in, I guess. <laughs> so they needed to talk to a real human being. I don't know. I think that's interesting, though. I really do. Okay. Let's talk about why Ezekiel thirty-eight thirty-nine. Go ahead and turn there. Um, that is Armageddon. Can we say that unequivocally? I, I think so. I think we can. I'll put a marker on Zechariah 14 there. My cheat tabs have done falling off of my Bible and I can't find where I'm going. That's pretty bad, isn't it? Okay. Ezekiel 38:39. It describes a, a war. Uh, 38. Verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog. So Gog, who's Gog? Gog shows up at the end of the millennia again, right? Uh, some sort of a demonic entity or fallen one that manipulates human world leaders. That would be my best guess. In this case, Putin seems to be a good candidate here. He's up north. And he says, I'm going to turn you against my people Israel. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I am against you, O God, Chief Prince of Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, 
and bring you out with your whole army, your horses, your horsemen. Um, Chuck Missler brought out that Hebrew word horses. He said it's a leaper. It's some sort of a vehicle or some sort of a transportation. It's not necessarily the, the regular horse. And your horsemen fully armed and a great horde with large and small shields, all of them brandishing their swords. Persia, here's Iran. Iran got to smackdown, but here we are in the tribulation, and Iran is going to help this power go against Israel yet again. Go against this northern power, which is probably Russia. He's already all hunky-dory with Iran already, <coughs> Iran and Russia. And Cush and Put will be with them. These are North African nations, may think. All with shields and helmets. All with shields and helmets. Also Gomer with all its troops. And Beth Togarma from the far north with all its troops. The many nations with you. So this is a confederacy that's heading down to destroy Israel. Very possibly led by Putin. Verse 7, get ready, be prepared, you and all the hordes gathered about you, and take command of them. After many days, you will be called to arms. God is telling these people, I'm going to call you to arms. Isn't that interesting? God's not sitting there going, oh no, I was hoping y'all wouldn't try to make war. He's not giving them any uh, option here. And he will show himself mighty through this. And he says as much further on. After many days, you'll be called to arms. In future years, you will invade a land that has recovered from war, whose people were gathered from many nations to the mountains of Israel. Well, this is Israel. They recovered from war. Their people have been gathered from many nations. I trust this war perhaps that they recover from is the Psalm 83 war if that's the one going on right now. In any event, it's going to be a time of presumed peace. I believe Israel will greatly broaden their borders here in the coming days and weeks. I don't think it'll go on that long. But again, he says it'll be in future years. This nation that had been brought back. So you and your troops and the many nations with you will go up advancing like a storm. You will be like a cloud covering the land. This is what the Sovereign Lord says on that day. Thoughts will come into your mind and you will devise an evil scheme. You will say, I will invade a land of unwalled villages. Israel's villages are not unwalled right now. Now, it doesn't mean the whole border is walled. It just means the villages have walls of protection. You'll invade that land of unwalled villages. God says, you will do this. You will do this. You will invade this land. <clears throat> I will attack, he's saying, God will be saying, I'll attack a peaceful 
and unsuspecting people, all of them living without walls and without gates and bars. I will plunder and loot and turn my hand against the resettled ruins and the people gathered from the nations, rich in livestock and goods, living at the center of the land. This describes Israel right now, doesn't it? Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish and all her villages will say to you, have you come to plunder? Have you gathered your hordes to loot, to carry off silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, and to seize much plunder? Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to God, this is what the sovereign Lord says. In that day when my people Israel are living in safety, will you not take notice of it? You will come from your place in the far north. Moscow is due north of Jerusalem, pretty much. You'll come from your place in the far north, you and many nations with you. All of them riding on horses, a great horde, a mighty army. You will advance against my people Israel like a cloud that covers the land. In days to come, O God, I will bring you against my land. God isn't giving him an option here. God is saying, I'm going to bring you against my land. So that the nations may know me when I show myself holy through you before their eyes. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Are you not the one I spoke of in former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel? At that time, they prophesied for years that I would bring you against them. I like that passage right there. God is asking Gog, potentially Putin, right now, God's saying, Are you not the one that I spoke of in former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel? Aren't you that guy? Don't you remember Ezekiel? You know, remember that guy? Didn't we talk about you? (laughs) I like that. God has perfect foreknowledge. Verse 18, this is what will happen in that day when Gog attacks the land of Israel. My hot anger will be aroused, declares the sovereign Lord. In my zeal and fiery wrath, I declare that at that time there shall be a great earthquake. Don't forget that earthquake, because we're going to tie that not only to uh, Revelation 16, but to Zechariah 14. It's going to be a great earthquake, it says, in the land of Israel. The fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, every creature that moves along the ground and all the people on the face of the earth will tremble at my presence. The mountains will be overturned. The cliffs will crumble and every wall will fall to the ground. I will summon a sword against Gog on all my mountains, declares the sovereign Lord. Every man's sword will be against his brother. Remember that little part. They'll turn on each other. I will execute judgment upon him with plague and bloodshed. I will pour down torrents of rain, 
hailstones. Don't forget hailstones. And burning sulfur on him and on his troops and on the many nations with him. And so I will show my greatness and my holiness and I will make myself known in the sight of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. That's the end of chapter 38. So we see some things here. I'm going to keep my place there because we'll probably come back to 39 and maybe again to 38. I'm sure not getting all the time. Uh, let's uh, look at uh, Revelation 16. Armageddon, the bold judgments or the vile judgments you have in the King James. Um, these are the worst of the judgments. You know, you had seven seals and you had seven trumpets and then you have these things, these seven bowls or vials of wrath being poured out. <clears throat> and it goes through the angels that do this and what happens there. Armageddon. It just means a place of assembling of the troops. Uh, one interpretation uh, in, in views of mountain, a mountain gathering of troops. So many people. We saw that in Ezekiel 38. God says there will be many people. So this, these judgments in Revelation 16, the sixth angel, verse 12, the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. This is going to be China. There's this war brewing, this Armageddon, which we read about in Ezekiel. It's got to be the same war. I'll tell you more about why it has to be the same war in a little while. But the Chinese are going to say, well, we're going to get our finger in that cake. You know, we need stuff too. We got all these soldiers. We don't have enough equipment to haul them around with, but we can march them over there. 200 million men. Easy. Sixth angel poured out his bowl in the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings of the east. Verse uh, 13. Revelation 16, verse 13. Then I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, that's the devil, that's the enemy, out of the mouth of the beast, that's your antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. This is the false trinity. They are spirits of demons performing miraculous signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his, his clothes with him so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Then they gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. <clears throat> okay. Verse 17. 
The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne, saying, It is done. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since man has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake. Okay. What about Ezekiel back over here? What about an earthquake there? Didn't we see one somewhere there? Verse 38. I'm sorry, chapter 38, maybe about verse 20. The fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, every creature that moves along the ground and all the people on the face of the earth will tremble at my presence. The mountains will be overturned, the cliffs will crumble, and every wall will fall to the ground. Sounds like an earthquake, doesn't it? They'll all feel it. Everything on the entire planet, even the fish in the ocean, will feel it. I think you could equate that to an earthquake like it never been before. I'll tell you what's very interesting. Revelation 19, verses 17 and 18. I feel like if I do my job here, nobody's going to leave here thinking that Ezekiel 38 is not Armageddon. Verses 17 and 18, Revelation 19. He says, And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair, Come, gather together for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, mighty men of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, small and great. He's feeding them to the buzzards. Okay? Back to Ezekiel 39 now. And we were at Revelation 19, 17, and 18. This is Ezekiel 39, 17, and 18. The rabbi says coincidence is not a kosher word. You ever hear that? This is Ezekiel 39, 17, and 18. Son of man, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Call out to every kind of bird... And all the wild animals assemble and come together from all around to the sacrifice I am preparing for you, the great sacrifice on the mountain of Israel. There you will eat flesh and drink blood. You'll eat the flesh of mighty men and drink the blood of princes of the earth as if they were rams and lambs, goats and bulls, all of them fattened animals from Bashan. At the sacrifice I am preparing for you, you will eat fat till you are glutted and drink blood till you're drunk. Ezekiel 39, 17 and 18, Revelation 19, 17 and 18. He's calling the buzzers. He's calling them to feed them, to feed these people, these leaders of the enemy to them. I think that's just a little subtle watermark of the Lord himself saying, if you wonder whether these are the same battle. I'm going to make two verses, corresponding verses of chapter 19, Revelation, chapter 39, 
and Ezekiel say the same thing. So, uh, what about Ezekiel 38.22? And that says, I will execute judgment upon him with plague and bloodshed. I will pour down torrents of rain, hailstones, and burning sulfur on him and on his troops and on the many nations with him. Hailstones. If this was Armageddon, you'd expect to see hailstones here also in Revelation. And you do. I don't think I made a note of it, but it's going to be here somewhere. Um... Maybe I did make a note, I just can't find it. There are hailstones here, trust me. <laughs> um, maybe it was in 16. Um, I can uh, In a concordance. Anybody see that for me? Sorry about not being better prepared. Eight and seven, that's not where it was going to go. Um, you have though the buzzards, you have the uh, earthquakes, you have the hailstones. Let me see if I can find that. It's in Revelation 16 22? Yeah, from the 21. sky. From the sky. Huge hailstones of about a hundred pounds each. This is an NIV. You're not going to survive that. Fell upon men, and they cursed God on account of the plague of hail because the plague was so <clears throat> terrible. So that's uh, Revelation 16:21. So we've got the hailstones, we've got the buzzards, and the buzzards are eating the enemies of God. We've got the earthquake. Uh, let's look a little bit in Zechariah chapter 14. Here's the Lord's second coming to Jerusalem. Here's the passage where it says he sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives. We saw that alluded to in Ezekiel's war, uh, where the mountains are split. 
Uh, verse 3, the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, forming a great valley with half of the mountain moving north and half moving south. You will flee by my mountain valley, for it will extend to Azel. You will flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah king of Judah. The mountain split in half. There's an earthquake now too, right? Then the Lord, my God, will come and all the holy ones with him. Who's coming with him? Uh, Well, us. This will be the end of the seven years of tribulation. It will be the end of our time fulfilling the Feast of Tabernacles of uh, Leviticus 23. On that day, verse 8, living water will flow out from Jerusalem, half to the eastern sea, half to the western sea. In summer and in winter, the Lord will be king over the whole earth. On that day, there will be one Lord in his name, the only name. The whole land from Geba to Rimon, south of Jerusalem, will become like Arabah. But Jerusalem will be raised up and remain in its place from the Benjamin gate to the site of the first gate, to the corner gate, and from the tower of Hananel, to the royal wine presses, it will be inhabited. Never again will it be destroyed. Jerusalem will be secure. Now, no one disagrees that this is talking about Armageddon. Interesting here, this is the plague with which the Lord will strike all the nations that fought against Jerusalem. Remember, this is Old Testament times. This is written before the time of Christ. He's talking about a plague. It says, Their flesh will rot while they are still standing on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues will rot in their mouths. On that day, men will be stricken by the Lord with great panic. Each man will seize the hand of another and they will attack each other. We saw that also in Ezekiel. God turns his enemies against themselves. You know, when King Jehoshaphat had a problem, he turned the enemies against themselves. So uh, there is yet another um, indication that this t- these these battles are almost certainly the same. I got a question. Mm-hmm. Verse three, when he uh, as when, when he fought in the day of battle, when, when was that? Which battle? And when was that? Chuck Missler said that that would have been when the Lord came to Joshua as a captain of the host. Possibly, he fought for them. He himself fought for that. So uh, he's, you know, that makes sense to me. Can't argue with Missler. But um, what does Ezekiel go to after chapter 39 is, is finished? Now, you know, it talks about 
In, in chapter 39, again in Ezekiel, um, very interesting here what takes place after this battle. Um, they got to clean up the mess. Now here's why so many people do not believe this is probably the number one reason why so many people don't believe that Ezekiel 38-39 is Armageddon. Because it says that they'll be burning the weapons of their enemies for fuel. Um, yeah, verse 9 of Ezekiel 39. Then those who live in the towns of Israel will go out and use the weapons for fuel and burn them, the small and large, shields, bows, arrows, they'll burn them up, the war clubs, the spears. Now you got to think, this is going to be talked about in language that people in that day could have understood. But I'll say this, there's probably going to be three or four hundred million AK-47s laying there. you got a wood stock, you got a wooden forearm, and you got a lot of wood. So, um, that, and I also wondered, uh, I mean, there will be nuclear weapons involved that don't detonate. A lot of weapons can be converted to nuclear energy, so, I mean, that's, you know. Possible. But a lot of folks say, well, no, the Lord's back here at the end of Armageddon. He's on his throne, and we can't have people out there having to cook their own food and make their own meals. He's supposed to just pat them on the head and make, them, make their belly full. That's not really how the millennium's going to be. Um, <laughs> They they'll still there will be human beings, there will be human beings needing sustenance. What does he talk about at the end of uh, Zechariah? They're going to come and keep the feast of tabernacles, and they're going to come here and they're going to cook in uh, cooking pots, and the cooking pots will be uh, labeled holy unto the Lord in these vessels. These holy unto the Lord, babe. I need some soda water. So, they're going to be cooking. You can't cook without a fire. I don't think we're going to have all this electricity and all these modern amenities. I think the Lord's just going to play shoots and ladders with with uh, the Hebrew people. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, there can be a lot said that there's a lot wrong with the way we live today. Too much going on. Too many amenities. Um, so, no, they'll cook. They're human beings. Guess what else? There are going to be survivors of the tribulation. Zechariah 14 talks about it. Isaiah 66 talks about it. So, yeah. I mean, there's, there's nothing, going, nothing remarkable about going into the first seven years of the tribulation and uh, cooking your own meals and so on. So, uh, verse 4, no, I'm sorry, verse 11. Ezekiel 39, on that day I'll give Gog a burial place in Israel in the valley of those who travel east toward the sea. It will block the way of the travelers because Gog and all his hordes will be buried there. So it'll be called the valley of Haman Gog. Thank you. I'm going to take a sip here. Listen to this. For seven months, the house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. 
all the people of the land will bury them. And the day I am glorified will be a memorable day for them, declares the Sovereign Lord. Men will be regularly employed to cleanse the land. Professionals. Yes. Some will go throughout the land, and in addition to them, others will bury those that remain on the ground. At the end of seven months, they will begin their search as they go through the land, and one of them sees a human bone. He will set up a marker beside it until the grave diggers have buried it in the valley of Haman Gog. Is that fascinating? Is this interesting to anybody? Hazardous material. Sounds maybe like it. Don't pick it up. Put a marker next to it. Well, They're going to come, and get, it come in and get it and move it. Well, this don't sound like going into the millennium. I had this all wrote different, God. You should let me handle this. That's what it says. Now, are we going into the millennium? Ezekiel seems to think so. He goes straight into describing the millennial temple in chapter 40. What kind of a book would that be? To mention some globally significant catastrophic battle that happens before Armageddon. But then, you know, we're going to talk about Armageddon. We're not going to talk about none of that. We're going to go on. Let me just tell you about this temple. You know, let's fast forward back about 100 years. Doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. These nations are destroyed here that, that were coming against Israel. And the Lord is going to be on this throne in this temple that Ezekiel starts describing for the last, that's actually nine chapters. Um, you know, it's just, just logic. You know, God said, let us come, let us reason together. Yeah, you read the scripture and you you process it, but then you got to reason. you got to use reason. And I think it's reasonable when we see the enemies of God getting fed to the buzzards in Ezekiel 38 and Revelation. We see the massive earthquake, Ezekiel 38 and Revelation. We see the massive hailstones, Ezekiel 38 and Revelation. And we should want that to be the case. We should want Ezekiel 38 to be Armageddon because if it's not come on it says they're going to burn the weapons of the enemy seven years yeah but let me rapture any minute right now that rapture could last about 17 18 years or 150 who knows you can't go there I mean that just flies in the face of logic if they're going to burn weapons for seven years entering this phase after this Ezekiel war and, and people are saying, some of these scholars are saying that it happens before Armageddon. It happens before the tribulation. What are you looking for? The Lord returns at the end of the tribulation with the saints. The only thing you could try to do is say, well, we could get raptured now and we could have... A, few more decades play out down here 
you know, and um, I know God said stay in your little rooms in the tabernacle's feast. He said stay in there seven days, but, I mean, he could have meant 917 days. No, he says what he says and he means what he means, and it works. It works if you let it work. It, it, it will line up if you let it line up. And God wants us to understand it. He wants us to study. Does anybody see anything that I'm not looking at? Or Once again, the only way you can make Ezekiel 38 happen before the tribulation in Armageddon, the only way you can do that is to say the rapture is going to last we're going to be away for more than seven years. We're going to be away for, who knows, it could be seven decades. Is that how God works? Doesn't he say that he's going to keep us from the wrath that was to come? This is God's wrath being spoken of in Ezekiel 38 and 39. He calls it that somewhere or another. You know, he... He gets very angry, he says. The fury rises up in his face, he says. And we're supposed to be held back from this wrath. Those people who are his are supposed to be protected. But this is wrath. He's throwing down hailstones. He's... he's, he's uh, shaking the earth he's feeding the enemies to, 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 to the buzzards and we're supposed to somehow recover as a race from all of that yeah, that's the point I bring up is yeah. if they believe in difference that means you literally believe nuclear war breaks out and then somehow the world gets back to some form of normalcy in order for Armageddon to happen because after a war like this as bad as it is you know, you would take decades, decades and decades, possibly a hundred years, for the world to even recover well enough to get to a point where Armageddon could happen. There you go. And the other thing to remember, too, is what Christ said about this day of the Lord, that there would be two in a bed, one taken, one left. You know that one. And it said it would be like the days of Noah or the days, you know, of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. It would be like that. Well, that, he said, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage and so on. Yeah, after this Ezekiel 38 war, that ain't going to happen for a very, very, very long time if it's not Armageddon. Does that, everybody see that? Hopefully. It's got to be. So that's all I had. I just wanted to help. <clears throat> Hopefully help. I hope that's the right understanding. I don't see how it could have been. Yeah, that's in these videos just to show you how demonic all that mess over there in Israel. Yeah, they're demoing their own buildings. Uh, I mean, a lot of those buildings, that's, that's controlled demolition. That's not Hamas rockets coming in. Yeah, uh, absolutely. At any rate, they had a picture this lady was filming this the Israel flag on the flagpole. Yeah. And a crow comes and tears the flag down. Interesting. That's just, you know, even the wildlife over there is demonic against uh, Israel at the moment. 
Well, it's possible that um, one theory I had, since it is evident that they demoed some of their own buildings, and uh, you know, obviously Hamas is attacking now, you know, because they think it's part of their attack, and everybody's called to arms, and now they're pouring in, and not that they weren't before, but all that paraglider crap. Um, stuff. That, that was garbage. Yeah, that, was, that was show. Yeah, yeah that was pretty right. silly. They, there is some show stuff going over there too. Right. Like I saw some stuff where a guy they were carrying these carrying these guys out, this guy out, and they were you know chanting. And next thing I know, uh, they hear a siren coming down the road, and they put them right down in the road. Next thing you know, this guy comes out of there and starts running. <laughs> oh, great! Uh, so, so the, and that happened over in uh, Ukraine too. Yeah. So the thing is, is you can, you can hardly believe your eyes even. You really can. Because we're, right. we're listening to uh, information sure. that we can't verify. We can't verify. So it's like, it's you know. It's I, I definitely know there's something wrong with what they're saying is going on. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what's uh, one theory I had was, you know, Israel obviously wants to take a lot of these nations out. So what if they faked an attack or semi-faked an attack? I mean, they didn't have. To That's what it. I think. It, you know, maybe they just helped them. They yeah. helped them attack so, and had some destruction. That way, the whole world doesn't condemn them when they go scorched earth. That was so it's going to come out because the uh, United States knew it was going to happen before it happened. Israel knew it was going to happen before it happened. Other countries knew it was going to happen yeah. before it happened. I mean, like a, a couple weeks ahead. Of yeah. And so, you know, and, and even, you know, so even like that, I say that, and you say, well, how do you know that? Well, multiple sources. But the thing is, is a lot of times, you you got to wait. You know. Uh, sometimes hours or days before you really find out what well, really fleshes out. But yeah. everybody, you know, uh, panics and jumps and uh, and says, well, "Oh my soul, look at this here!" You know, and, and it looks bad, and that's a natural reaction. But it's only to find out we've been played. Yeah. You know, so so it's it's just it just takes. Well, we've been taught to be pretty skeptical, haven't we? Yeah. Even the radar sites over there in the United States. <clears throat> Sent signals to disable the the radar stations until the bunch could come in and then destroy them. Hard to tell, yeah. but we see what's going on now, and we think the end goal is Iran. And I think yes, will be involved. The end goal is to upset Putin enough where he comes from. They want to take Russia apart. They want to divide Russia into little pieces. Yeah, that won't happen. Um, he's the player at the end of the end of time there, the Gog. Anyway, let's join hands. Force you rarely with us, so you can close us if you will. All right. Lord God, please do guide us through these times that we're living in. Help us to understand and divide truth, Lord, the way you would have us to. Help us not to be in the dark. Help us to, to understand as you would have it. Lord God, please be with each and every one of us here. Help us to go safely to our homes and, and safely about our daily lives and meet here again next Thursday. So we can continue studying your word in Jesus' name. Jesus name. Amen.